another deep dive episode of Hell on a Cell Phone, the podcast where we attempt to make sense of the Attitude Era of WWE 20 years later. I'm your host, Aaron Benoit, joined as always by our wrestling historian and now published editor, Bobby Hankinson. Thank you. Hello. More on that later. And experiencing this all for the first time, Eric Silver. Uh, happy to be on the podcast uh, where, you know, we also have uh, literary endeavors. Uh, you know, we're not just an oral medium. Now we're visual. Yes. Yes. Uh, we are now a visual medium. Scratch all of the uh, scratch all the times that I said we are only an audio medium from all of those other recordings from before. I'm rambling. Hey, guys, I'm very, very excited for what we're about to talk about today because we are about to go into a trilogy of, and I'm going to say it, my favorite matches of all time. And full stop, I'm not embarrassed to say that. Uh, but before we get to those, I wanted to look a little bit at the evolution of the art form. So we are looking at the ladder match between Razor Ramon and Shawn Michaels from WrestleMania 10. So the trilogy is not what we watched, right? Because I only watched a match. You only watched a match. No, this is okay. an unrelated trilogy, but in a natural extension of what was gone into here. Gotta tell you the panic I felt when you said, that, like, <laughs> you really hit, you really hit the. Um, we watched the... fourteen matches in order to. <laughs> yeah, you know, you really, you really hit those those um, uh, anxiety dreams. I still have where um, there's homework that I didn't do, uh, and I'm like, oh god, it, and I and I just realized it's all like I, you know, I hadn't done the assignment, so you really hit a nerve there. Uh, happy to be on a podcast that strikes into your deepest fears and in, in your psyche. <laughs> oh no, I'm in my underwear. <laughs> Visual medium. Um, but before we get into that, Bobby, do you want to tell us a little bit about the ladder match? Yeah, I would love to. You mean sort of like the the ladder match as a concept, or lead up to this specifically? The ladder match a as a concept. Yes. Oh. Uh, yeah, I'd love to hear about everything. So this is the first big pay-per-view ladder match. I believe the second televised ladder match at WWF. It's a concept that goes back to the 70s. Um, and it wasn't, like, super... Um, so this, like, wasn't done many times. So this mm -hmm. is really well-known, the match we're talking about today, because it set the standard and set the beats in so many... Uh, with so many, like, spots that have become so commonplace in ladder matches now. Um, they were kind of the the first to do them and also to do them the best. Yeah. I believe the, uh, the first ladder match was between Sean and Brett in Portland, Maine in 1992. It was uh, recorded, but not aired and later would show up on some DVD compilations. So this is a very, very new art form that they are exploring here. Brett actually is the one who brought it. It was Brett's idea to do it originally for that first match. So he, uh, I think in Shawn Michaels' book, which, by the way, I now own two Shawn Michaels books because I accidentally first bought the one about his journey to Christ. Uh, so <laughs> now, then I had to be like, well, great. Um, after we record tonight, I will be Googling how to uh, request a refund for a book, which I think I can do within like 24 hours. Uh, <laughs> because I was like, oh, no, I don't want this. Uh but from his uh, from the other book, he mentioned that Brett like brought the concept over. 
Did Brett uh, used to do it with Terrible Ted? Like he and Terrible Ted would would uh, ladder match each other. I imagine it's like everything in the Hart household is a match. You know what I mean? So they would they were probably like changing a light bulb at one point, and then like Owen Hart decided to just like push him over. You know what I mean? Because I feel like that just was always happening in the Hart house. That like you couldn't get through uh, cooking a meal without it breaking into a good housekeeping match. Right, washing the dishes match. Yeah. The actual origins of uh, the ladder match are a little murky, much like everything in wrestling. Somebody is going to claim to have done it first, but one of the first people is thought to have done it at the at Stampede Wrestling out of Calgary, which Brett was associated with earlier on in his career. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And it's insane to me. So the Triple H versus The Rock from SummerSlam 1998 that we uh, already discussed in a previous episode, check that out in our archives, was only the fifth wwf ladder match um something that i assumed was was well within their um well within their wheelhouse and something that they went back to a lot of times the only thing besides the match that we're going to talk about this and a sequel uh was between sean and goldust at something called experience which sounds like a character from joe casey's run on x-men yeah, that's not a. I don't think I've ever heard of that before in my life. It it sounds like one of those things they have at the bodega that they say is good for like your libido, but probably will just like you know give you a rash. Definitely, it's just like you straight know, like, up speed. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> it's stacker um, two. More on that in our uh, episode next week. But the um. With the ladder matches not being so common, too, A, I mean, first off, we're going to go into it, but obviously this is a five-star match. Some consider this literally the best wrestling match of all time. Uh, I know I've said that before with other Shawn Michaels matches, but there's a reason for it, I guess. Uh, Because of some. Yeah. this, um, There was a change after this that affects the sequel of this, too. Um, That after this match, there was, like, rules about not having so much violence, and less hitting each other with the actual ladder. And in the absence of that, uh, a ladder match is much less compelling. Yeah. I know I want a lot of safety in my ladder matches. Yeah. And I mean, definitely the watching this one thing I was struck by was the lack of that. <laughs> I was like, Oh, they're just using a <laughs> yeah. oh, real. I know we'll get, we will get all the details or whatever, but yeah, I, I it's a, uh, it's funny to see like the original ladder matches where they were like, no, literally just go to home Depot, get, a ladder. Um, like that's not a no. Don't do anything. Nothing special. No, no, no. Don't do anything to it at all whatsoever. Just get it and just bring it directly into the ring. Do you know anything about yeah, the build I, for this match, Bobby? I do. So Shawn Michaels was the Intercontinental Champion uh, and was tested positive for steroids. Now Shawn Michaels, to this day, swears some. This was a mistake. That like he's like, listen, look at me. I am many things. I am not someone who was on steroids. Uh, like, you accuse me of being on a lot of things. That's not one of them. But for whatever reason, a test of his came back positive for steroids. Now, Shawn Michaels really does feel, like, aggrieved in this situation. So he's like, they, they're like, you have to be off for 60 days or whatever, six weeks. I forget what the what the full, his term was, um, that he had to be his, his suspension or whatever. Uh, but he's like, all right, but I'm not giving you this belt back. Like, I'm not relinquishing the title. Like, I'm not doing it. Um, and so Vince, they have another, um, he's not recognized as the champion this time. Like, they do have, like, a battle royal, um, and then I think, like, a match from the battle royal. Basically, that's where Razor Ramon ends up getting the title. 
Sean returns, and the angle they play is he never actually lost, and so there's two people who feel they have a rightful claim to the Intercontinental title, which is why this gimmick makes so much sense, suspended from the ceiling, the two belts. Um, They've done this, I feel like unification matches, like belt unification matches that they've done, which have happened many times, um, often resolve in a ladder match, uh, because I think obviously like the the physical representation is just like too irresistible. Mm Mm-hmm. Is one of them considered the bogus belt? I thought I got a sense of that when I was watching the lead up to this. Yeah, it yeah, definitely one... is. A, I mean, it's considered like not a recognized reign because technically, according to so, the officials, he was. Okay, so I. It's funny. I thought that um, not you know obviously not knowing about much going into this. I thought that Razor Ramon had the bogus belt, but it's Shawn Michaels who had the bogus belt, Correct. and I. I, I clocked it, you know, as once once uh, the announcer started talking, I clocked it. And I was like, I was like, oh, okay, like Sean's the the heel on this. I'm so used to Sean being the face. Oh yeah, uh, Bobby. I also read that um, as part of revenge, Michaels attacked Razor Ramon and helped Erwin R. Scheister steal his gold chains. That is correct. I didn't know the, the gold chains part. I didn't, but I did know that that was part of like the return angle was um, Daddy Wyatt, um, <laughs> Erwin or Scheister. Well, whatever the wherever the Scheisters around, you know something with money is going to be involved. Oh boy! Oh boy! <laughs> uh, I just want to say, by the way, I I did kind of just catch the beginning of this WrestleMania, like the. You know, just the the first ten seconds or so of um, you know, where they're like, it's WrestleMania ten. It, it wasn't there yet. It was the it was the it was like this the you know like the history of of the WWF and WrestleMania. Um, but the music at the beginning before it gets into the um, it reminded me a lot of the music from the video montage that they show in the parallax view. When they're trying to figure out like, where they're trying to test if somebody is a um, can be trained as a um, an assassin of like political candidates. What is I don't the, know. What that's is a, the parallax view? Oh man, I was hoping you'd ask. Um, <laughs> the parallax view is a uh, it's one of those um, paranoia seventies movies, like mm-hmm. uh, similar to um, the conversation. The conversation, uh, and I believe oh. Like the, what's I it, guess, Three Days of the Condor? Oh, yeah, yeah, along those lines. I believe, I forget, there was a, there, there was somebody who paired the Parallax View together with another, um, with another movie. Maybe, maybe all the presidents, maybe just the conversation or all the presidents men or something. But basically, I think there's a trilogy of, like, of movies made by the person who made that movie. And it was like all the presidents men, I think, um, uh, the Parallax View, which has Warren Beatty, um, and this third movie, which I believe has Donald Sutherland. I forget what it's called, too. Winter Kills. But um, in the Parallax View, long, I, I won't get into the, the big part of it, but it's essentially um, this guy uh, uncovers, this reporter uncovers, like, a shady organization that is, um, like... Uh, that provides assassins for you know for governmental purposes. 
Well, I check out the beginning of this pay-per-view and the, th- the uh, movie to, to correspond the two things, but I'm afraid that if I tried to rewind the pay-per-view, then my peacock would just freeze up on me all over again. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to watch another ep- another uh, commercial for Allstate. Um, but yeah, no, so one of the things I'll point out in the Parallax view, though, is there's a very, very famous, um, and I would say kind of amazing, like it it makes the movie, it's like the most brilliant part of the movie for me, um, there's a an actual video montage, like kind of similar to what you might you know imagine from like a Clockwork Orange, except uh, set a to, little bit uh, different. And, Time of Your Life by Green Day. Yes, yes. Uh, it's just set to like um, there's a there's like a lot of music going on in it, but the music's brilliant. The images are really brilliant. I feel like it was like it's like a piece of art on its own, um, and so that's what that music in that very very famous. Um, video that's shown to uh, uh, to Warren Beatty in the movie is what the opening of this sounded like. Sorry, that's a long digression, but you should watch the Parallax view. <laughs> well, let's talk about uh, another piece of art and is, is in this match, and this match, there are no rules. Except no rules. Um, <laughs> don't be on the outside of the ring if you're not in the match, which apparently is a very big rule at a time in the WWF where it's not a rule really for anyone else. <laughs> I don't like the cut of your jib over there, Diesel. You're out of here. I mean, to be honest, I didn't either. The hair here is a lot to handle because this is like very much so like wrestling existing in a vacuum of its own cultural significance. Cause you're like, that wasn't a cool hairstyle for anybody to have. I don't know why the sexy boy had that haircut. No one would ever look at some of that haircut and be like, yep, that's a sexy boy. You would think that they would clear this up beforehand, like like Diesel would be barred from ringside instead of just having him come out, stand there for a little while, and then be like, no, 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 no. You go to the back there, Diesel. Um, I, But one thing I did like about Diesel having to go away was those X-Doors were awesome. The X-Door is awesome. Out through the X-Door, do I've got th- that in my note. How do you not do that on every pay-per-view? Just... Find another Roman numeral and make and put it on a door. <laughs> make them go together. Um, also, I mean, I don't think we've ever really talked about Razor Ramon before, other than maybe in talking about X-Pac and, uh, and the 123 Kid and all that. It is insane that you just took a white guy, put on some bronzer, put on the worst Cuban accent, and called him a Latino superstar. However, this dude is so over with everyone that you talk about. Like Razor Ramon, I feel like is is spoken about with hushed tones, like throughout the world. I mean, to this day, um, when I see Scott Hall at events, I'm like, mm, no, you're Razor Ramon, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, sh- like you don't look right. Like go back to what, the way you used to look, because like that is a guy who. I never, you know, I wasn't watching wrestling at this time, but that was a guy I sort of remembered the look of. Yeah, he had a really distinct, and I think it, I, I forgot it's like what great shape he was in because Razor never wins the world title in WWF, and so I feel like he kind of is, he feels like a little bit uh, below, obviously, like Sean and Diesel when it comes to like click members. Uh, but watching this and I wasn't really watching at this point like I definitely had seen Razor Ramon matches and I was familiar with him from mostly from like video games and from like the one-off like pay-per-views I would catch with friends 
but this was like actually really interesting to like see him work. I mean, and people say like this was obviously one of his best matches, and Shawn Michaels like brought out the best in him too. Was D- so wait, Diesel was a, a champion? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, Diesel was a champion before Shawn Michaels. He went from yes. uh, bodyguard to tag team partner to WWF champion. And actually, at some point, I'd really like to watch. Um, I know I've talked about it before. There's a match between Sean and Diesel from In Your House 8, I want to say. that um, A hardcore match that I would argue um, is could be considered the start of the Attitude Era. Ooh. Well, we've had so many things that we think could be the start of the Attitude Era. <laughs> <laughs> but let's talk about this match. Um, Sean selling the fuck out of Razor early on in this match really t- uh, set a really good tone for what was to come for me. Yeah, I mean, you mean I just selling selling that he's uh, afraid of Razor. Well, selling just like selling the moveset, um, like yeah. flipping the shit out for anything that he does, and Razor Ramon literally like lifting up the ladder and beating him with it, which is something that, like, you see people get thrown into into ladders, but that that's just not an action that you see that often, especially with what, again, I have to assume is just a real-ass ladder. Yeah, I mean, it looked like it's all the stickers on it with, like, the safety instructions. <laughs> uh, I, I will say, though, at one point, um, you know, we get the famous, you know, I love when King has to bring in the physical um, characteristics of the ladder, like what is, how much does this ladder weigh? 80, a hundred pounds, to a hundred pounds is what he thought that ladder. And like, granted you could like that definitely was a more significant ladder than the ones that we're used to today, which are like truly made of tinfoil and dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a heavier ladder. Also what I think is fascinating. There was no other ladder. So like if that yeah. ladder broke, the two of them would have stood in that ring and had no idea what to do because they weren't just like <laughs> sticking. There were no ladders under the ring. That wasn't like a thing they did then. Uh, and so I was watching. There's a clip on YouTube you can see of uh, for the 25th anniversary of this match of Scott Hall and Shawn Michaels like rewatching it together. And they were like, no, truly, if something happened to that ladder, we would have been on WrestleMania and like, uh, like not been able well, to get it. Looked like, it looked like something did happen to it, right? It looked at it, one point, it, it looked like that ladder was broken. It definitely gets a little warped throughout yeah. the match for sure. Yeah, yeah. There, I think there was a part where at the end of the part you're talking about, and I just feel like it might have bent a little bit just because everyone's weight distribution was really weird for that. Because it looked like Razor wasn't supposed to fall off at that point or whatever. Yeah, like part of it, yeah, it was warped. Uh, and at one point I was like, uh, is he going to actually get on this? Like, when are they going to pull out another ladder? And <laughs> no, you're there with the, you you get, you go with the ladder that you, that brung you. Yeah, I definitely, I thought this was the small ladder and they were going to get the bigger one out. Because that's the thing, we've become so accustomed to so many spots that happen within a ladder match, but this is really setting the pace for a lot of them like uh sean setting up the ladder on in in the corner and then razor reversing him so that he goes into it um the getting the sean being on top of the ladder and it getting pushed over and him hitting into the ropes like these are beats that are getting written in this match yeah totally Oh, also, we get a uh, full ass from HBK. 
Honestly, his butt looked great. You have to admit. I mean, it was a good. I, I was like, wow, that is a nice looking butt. Um, of Shawn Michaels again, who the long hair has really been a, an issue, but uh, it really uh gave me a, a maybe make a give him a second look. Let's say it, it was good, except for the needle mark from the steroids. But uh, you know, otherwise, <laughs> yeah, pretty uh, unmarred. I'm still not sure exactly how Sean managed to uh, tangle himself in the ropes. It looked just so natural as it happened. Yeah. For sure. I think, like, that was a real... I, that was good. I think he came free a little... Just an, a little too quickly for my taste. It did feel like he, like, stalled... hit a stall for a minute at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't love that. But otherwise, I mean, this match just, like... it was. There was so much back and forth... Um, and it felt like I was watching back and forth. That wasn't like, um, like I'm usually watching matches now where I'm like, well, now it's I'm like, well, now it's like the other person's turn. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where it's like, mm-hmm. well, he's going to beat him for a little bit. This really felt like truly much more back and forth. And surely everyone in backstage was, uh, appreciating and enjoying the match that was happening in front of them. Right, Bobby? Uh, well, this match, uh, historically, uh, went. 10 minutes long i believe uh which then pushed the 10 man tag that was coming afterwards <laughs> off of the card completely so people were not thrilled i would say missing out on that wrestlemania paycheck especially since it was 10 people <laughs> it wasn't just two people it was 10 um so no i would say the general reaction backstage was not great though also though the reaction was that it was a masterful performance that was like industry defining. So while yes, people were mad. Um, I think it was like Randy Savage who was like, that was pretty good, but you're, you know, real pieces of shit. <laughs> so Michaels was like, yeah, that's pretty much my whole thing being really good, but also a piece of shit. Todd Pettengill was the only one giving them a uh, standing ovation at gorilla position. Yeah. I, I, I assume Randy Savage just went, Oh yeah. <laughs> oh no. Oh, <laughs> oh no, it's a little long. <laughs> Look into editing. Oh, we're gonna have to watch a Randy Savage match at some point. Hells yeah. I remember I saw some uh I saw something on like Twitter, I think, where it was just like Randy Savage just giving the most inspirational fucking speech of all time and he just sounded he sounded like I mean, everybody I guess talks about how great he is on the mic, right? Mm-hmm. Um and I I've seen like one or two promos where it, it is true. He's like I think I think he's really really fun on the mic. Um, I don't know. I, I get. I assume he was also a very good wrestler, but the mic stuff is what I remember the most from him. Well, he's just he's a dude who can walk by catering, see a thing of of uh, creamer, and then make an entire bit out of it that like an immortal bit out of it. Oh, I don't even think I know about. Oh, this. Google uh, when we get off Google Randy Savage cream of the crop. Awesome. Yeah, it's really really fun. Anyone else have anything they want to say about this one? Hmm. Um. I like. I. I. Yeah. I, I'm a sucker for the um getting wrapped up in the ropes. Um. I guess booking. Um. I think that's, I, I don't know, man. I just, as a move in itself, or I, I don't, I, what do you call that? Is that a move? Is that a, a is spot? that just like a, a, spot. a spot? Yeah. Okay. As a spot, I like it because um, 
it's something that that like my rational brain's like there's no way that actually really would happen but my irrational brain is like oh my god that's awesome especially like a lot of these guys who i've seen do it do it really well it's kind of like you know it's not it's it's not used very often it's not something that you see like everybody trying to pull off so you don't you don't see the bad people doing it you only see the good people doing it and that's why I think it, it it still is something that I get a kick out of because it's got like, I don't know, there's, there's like fun stakes to it, you know, totally. especially, you know, because like we, you know, that's the only time I've ever seen in any ladder match a person who is wrapped up in the ropes while another person is climbing, you know, usually uh, and, and that that brought a lot more stakes to it because like or not stakes, but like that brought a lot more realism to it because usually um, there's a guy who's tired and then there's another guy who's tired and one guy is like climbing really slowly and the other guy is like slowly catching up until all of a sudden he's like sprinting full force. Like, all, you know, he got his burst of energy and he's able to do it. And it's like, sure, I, I, I buy into it enough. I'm able to accept it. But like the idea of I am stuck um, feels a lot more real to me as a spot. Yeah, I really liked. I thought there was a lot of stuff like that that felt really like real, or like just a different like sort of rhythm to it that felt like less like they were going through the motions of like what we what we all agree is a wrestling match. Uh, I also like really liked. There's a bunch of spots that I really liked. I like I like anytime Shawn Michaels does his little flippy shit in the corner. You know what I mean when they they gets like whipped, uh, Ric Flair over the top kind of thing. Uh, love that anytime. And I loved, mm. I thought the spot where Razor went to the outside onto the concrete, I mean, like, there's just, there's no there there. Like, that's, mm-hmm. like, there's no trick. There was, like, no way. Like, he obviously landed on the meat of his arm, but still, I thought that was just, like, brutal. Um, I don't think they did big spots that I thought were really good. Um, I do know, like, when Shawn Michaels threw the ladder, he was, he was just making, they were just, like, making that up as they, like, went along. Uh, just beating the shit out of each other with ladders. Uh one spot that I wasn't sure about, and I'm, I'm honestly still not sure about, and I've like tried to research about it. So I think at this point, Shawn Michaels didn't really have like a, an individual finisher. He might have been using the fisherman suplex, but he was not using the super kick, um, sweet chin music as a finisher. Like he hit it here, it was like in mm-hmm. his move set. Um, so there's that spot where he goes, where he does the pile driver. Oof, uh, yeah, but yeah. It, was that a botch? Because here's what here's what I'm thinking. Now, there is a world where Shawn Michaels didn't have a finisher. I think he was using the pile driver sometimes, if I remember correctly. I remember that being part of his arsenal. But it looked like he was going for the razor's edge. The spot was going to be he was going to do razor's finisher to him, and it looked like he couldn't get him up. And the two things that indicate that are, one, he like indicated like the razor's edge was coming sort of motion before he did it. And then... When he went to lift him, he like you could see something on his face was like, "Oh fuck, <laughs> like we're not gonna make it." Uh, I think, and so I don't know. I'm curious because like every other recap I read and everything, nothing in his book, um, neither the one about wrestling nor the one about Jesus uh, mentions what uh, happened here specifically as like a botch or something. And they do name it like, and then I do my pile driver with like no other, like which wasn't supposed to happen or whatever, and nothing in any of like the other recaps or anything I've seen. But it really did feel like that was going to be the razor's edge. And I really want well, someone did, to confirm. 
Didn't the um, didn't the announcers start to call? Yes, that, I feel like th- yes, yeah, they did. They said he was going to do the razor's eight. Right? Yeah, and yeah, you know, eight. you know, Shawn Michaels, who's got like this, who's got a bunch of five star matches. This is a five star match right here. He he's not going to be like like make that a black mark. Like, oh, I made a mistake during this incredible match. That's true. It's just like, nope, it was the pile driver. It was always the pile driver. From what I've read, it was of- always the pile driver. I did zero steroids. Never did a steroid. Not I will one. say the book that I, the, that this that is in like there is like I did you know I, I always end up like reading further into it. Surprisingly, all of these wrestling biographies, you guys, a are bad. They are not well written. It is not good writing. It is not something you want to read for a literary. Is that experience. the surprisingly part? But um, <laughs> but they no, but they are very interesting. And the thing is, like, I actually am like interested, in, like, because you do get that sort of like behind the scenes stuff. And if you are interested in like how the business works and like some of the behind the scenes dealings or like whatever might have informed things that seemed inexplicable, like I find I I eat that shit up. I mean, Chris Jericho's books. I skipped every single chapter about Fozzie. <laughs> Just Stone Cold didn't read it. Uh, but then all the wrestling stuff I think is really interesting. And same thing with um, Shawn Michaels' uh, book. That I think that it's like interesting to hear the stuff. But he does like bend over backwards it feels like to do a lot of like – people think that I was burying guys in the back. But it really wasn't. I was just working really hard and like whatever. And I was like mm, I don't know. It just seems like uh, the lady doth protest too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, by the way, did uh, – I? Aaron, I don't remember if you mentioned this or not. You may have did, or, or, or maybe Bobby as well. Um, did anybody mention like HBK riding the ladder onto Razor? No, Ooh, that, that was spot. good. That spot is. Really I was good. a great spot, and that was one of those spots that you don't see very often because it looks like it actually hurts. <laughs> yeah. I don't think there's a way around that one. Yeah, agreed. Also, the one where he falls back on the outside when he gets the slingshot onto the onto, and then falls backward onto the floor with the ladder on top of him. It's not the ladder part, but it's just like the height and the falling and the angle. This seems like yeah, that hurts. That just gotta hurt. Yeah. All right, guys. Should we wrap it up? Yeah. yeah. But before we get to our finish, Bobby, do you want to tell uh, our listeners about the Queendom book? Yeah, we've mentioned the podcast before, and it is available now on Amazon. Uh, Going to be available in ebook and in retail shortly. Uh, check it out. It's called Welcome to Queendom. It is all essays written by LGBTQ comedians. I believe all have performed on Queendom in the past, as well as a forward by actor uh, and X-Men, Alan Cumming. <laughs> so go out and, and just uh, to- make sure you buy that for a pride present. Is that a thing? Yeah, you know, it, it, I think we should make it a pride present. Congratulations, you're gay. It's amazing. Uh, so yeah, definitely buy it for pride gifts. And also, uh, proceeds benefit immigration equality, which is a great organization. Yeah, if uh, if Chase Bank can put in a pride float, then we could do some gross commercialization here as well. Love it. All right, guys. Love us, disagree, want to. Falsify our steroids test results? Uh, ooh. Want to send us through the X door? Let us know. Email us at HelenaCellPhone at gmail.com. Get updates on Facebook or Twitter at HelenaCellPod or tweet at us individually. Eric at Prime Silver, Bobby at Bobby Hank, and Aaron at Slow Pass. Our theme song is There Are Traitors in Our Midst by Disco Vietnam. And just to throw another little plug in here, Disco Vietnam can be heard on Peter Rosenberg's Real Late Hip Hop album that is out on all streaming services now. And our artist by Alexis Yavni. Find links for both in our episode notes. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back with another episode next week and then join us in two weeks for SummerSlam 2000.
trying to uh, to picture uh, Shawn Michaels' stuck porn. You said his snuff porn? Stuck porn. He's stuck like in, in a the washing ropes. machine. Yeah. Oh. Oh, stuck porn. I see. <laughs> Wait, for some reason, oh, I, I just yeah, assume yeah, yeah. all it. stuck porn is in a washing machine, but now that I'm saying it out loud, I guess not every stuck porn is, like, getting the laundry out, but just in my head it is. No, sometimes it's, like, under the sink, right? Sometimes it's under the sink. Sometimes it's in a, a child's playhouse. Is, it, is there sometimes always an appliance involved? <laughs> no, sometimes their head... No, uh, Winnie the Pooh is the original stuck porn. He His, <laughs> his head was in that, that honey jar, and then, you know, rabbit just... Send me that Maytag man, and you can you can stick me anywhere. 